Let's take our Bibles, if you will, and uh, turn to John chapter number 11. I want to read uh, a phrase uh, in two verses. Verse 39. If you have a red letter edition, it's the words of Jesus. And then in verse number 44. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. And then in verse number 44, loose him and let him go. Jesus is on the move in this text. He's going to eventually show up here at Bethany. He's at Jerusalem to begin with, two miles away. He's coming to do a work. We've been talking about the goings and comings and the went and kings of the Bible. It's so in all of our lives, from dust to dust, we're on the move. Not necessarily bad, it just depends on where you're coming from and where you're going. Abraham, the Bible said he went and came several times. Joseph, it speaks of him, he went and came. We saw Naomi went and came. Ruth went and came. Uh, The Bible talks about Jonah, how he went and came. And of course, Jesus came down from heaven, John chapter 6, and he went back to heaven in Acts chapter number 1. But in between that, he did the same thing that all of us have to do. He lived life in the goings and comings and the went and came. And it is here that we'll look back in the earlier verses and notice his movement. He's coming to do a work. As a matter of fact, anywhere Jesus shows up, he's not just passing time. He's not on vacation. He's there to do a work. And uh, we notice in verse 1 of that chapter, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her mother Martha. It was that Mary that, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 6, When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then, after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. He's on the move. Verse number 11, these things said he, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of his sleep. Verse number 15, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse 17, then when Jesus came, He found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. You see the goings and comings of Christ, the 
went and came. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. The goings and comings. Verse number 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, weeping which came, came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus comes to verse number 39 and verse number 44. He has finally made his move to come to where they need him. And where they need him, they need a work to be done that only he can do. And they expect that if he gets there in time, he might be able to stop Lazarus from dying. But that's too late. But could it be he could do a miracle? They want and expect that he will do a work. Aren't you glad for the works that Jesus has done in your life? But I say to you, haven't there been times when you needed something only he could do? And you wanted him to come and you wanted him to do that work. But what I notice in verse number 39 and verse number 42 especially is that they were probably astonished and maybe even shocked when Jesus shows up that instead of him performing what they wanted done right off the bat, he tells them what he wants them to do. And as I look at this text, I want to preach tonight and the goings and comings of Christ in his work, but I want to emphasize that if you want him to do something, if you want him to do a work, there's some things you're going to have to expect. You're going to have to expect. If Christ comes to do something, there's some things we're going to have to expect in the workings of Christ. And I've listed these thoughts down through here that only take a few moments, but I want to preach on work expectation. You want Jesus to do something, and you expect him to do something. But there is an expectation on your part and mine also. And from this verse, I notice that, and let me phrase it this way, that if you want Jesus to do something, now I don't know what that would be. In this case, it is the raising of Lazarus. Pretty big deal. I don't know what you would need for him to do in your life. But if you want Jesus to do something, expect that he might ask you to do something first. Isn't that amazing? Here he has shown up standing there at the grave of Lazarus. Instead of just waving his hand and speaking initially, he looks at those that are standing there and he said, take the stone away. He has asked them to do something first. 
I have noticed in the workings of God that he never works alone. And that which he does, he will include us. If he's going to divide the Red Sea, Moses is going to have to lift the rod. If he's going to send down the rain, Elijah is going to have to get on his knees and pray. If he's going to turn the water into wine, somebody's going to have to put water in the pot. If he's going to feed the multitude, he'll break the bread, but somebody's going to have to carry that bread to the multitude. What God does for eternity will take up some of your time. He's going to involve you, and I think that's what the brother was talking about tonight in what he's doing. That which God does that is so miraculous will involve the ordinary, mundane, everyday life that you live. Everything Jesus ever did involved his humanity and humanity in general. I say to you that if you want him to do something, he's probably going to involve you in what he's doing. And he may ask you to do something first. And look in this text. Here is a man that is held behind a stone. He's without life and he's without light. And someone would say, well, now, if Jesus can raise the dead, can't he move the stone? Yes, he could. The stone. He's going to let you know that he will do what he can do if you will do what he wants you to do. Get the stone out of the way. And how many folks are held in the cave of darkness in this hour? And all they need is somebody to obey God and do what God will enable them to do, move a stone. To have them begin to roll that stone away. And if those that are in that darkness are going to come out of the darkness, somebody sitting here tonight is going to have to move the stone. You're going to have to pray the stone away, maybe. You're going to have to love the stone away, maybe. You're going to have to forgive the stone away, maybe. You're going to have to be faithful to God to get rid of the stones that are over the lives of our children and our communities and people. And he's waiting on you to do what he wants you to do. And then he will do what only he can do. So I say to you, if you're expecting him to work, expect that He may ask you to do something first. He may say to you, I want you to give. He may say to you, I want you to go visit. He may say to you, I want you to spend some time in prayer. 
He may say to you, I want you for whatever it is that he wants you to do. He wants you to do it. And then he'll do what only he can do. Because, because, if they do not roll the stone away, it could be that poor old Lazarus would yet be in that grave. I don't know. But thank God we don't have to worry about it because somebody got to the work and started pushing and shoving and toiling and got the stone out of the way. Take ye the stone out of the way. Go to doing what I want you to do. And stones are everywhere. That he's not going to move. You're going to have to move them. The second thing that I pondered in this text, take ye the stone away, is that if you want him to do a work in your life, expect, and this is exciting to me, expect that the little that he asks you to do, expect that the something he asks you to do will be minute and minor compared to what he's fixing to do. <laughs> what? You want me to move a stone? I don't even know if that's legal. I mean, can you just move a stone away from a grave? It's kind of embarrassing. Nah, that's never been done. I mean, what people won't think about me if I move the stone away? Well, here's the thing about it. If you don't do that which is minute, you can do it. Push the stone away. If you don't do the little, God is not going to do the big. But if you ever want to see the unleashing of what God can do in the need in your life, you do the simple things and he will do the profound things. Move the stone away and thank God he will raise. Hey, if you move the stone, I'll raise the dead. But it has to come in that order. I remember pastoring for 22 and a half years, did a lot of preaching out then, but I didn't want to be no evangelist, and I determined I was going to die at that church. I loved it. I still love that area, but the Lord came to me one day and said, I've got something beyond this for you, so I want you to leave this church and this place and come with me. And I said, no. I'm going to tell you, I was a miserable creature. I'm ashamed to tell you, I wrestled with God for two solid years. I don't recommend telling him no. You ain't going to win that one, I guarantee you. But the thing that bothered me, I happened to be preaching through the life of Abraham. I don't know if it done them any good or not, but it's killing me. 
Because as I preached about Abraham that left his home and I preached about Abraham and trusting God in faith not knowing whether he was going. When I preached about Abraham, I would go home at night and lie in my bed and wonder what God was talking about that was beyond where I was at. He was saying to me, I want to do something bigger. I want to do something marvelous. I want to do something miraculous. I can't do it here. You're going to have to move beyond this until finally I said, God, you win. I'm God. That's been 25 years ago. And I'm so thankful that I did what I supposed to do because I've been able to witness so much in those 25 years. As God has done what he could do simply because we move the stone or roll it out of the way. The third thing that I would say to you, I suppose, now listen, if you want God to do a work, if you want him to do something, expect that he may ask you to do something first and expect that whatever he asks you to do will not be near what he's going to do. There's the joy of being able to wait and see what he's got in mind. But the third thing I would say to you as we move down through these thoughts is that if you want him to do something, expect, and notice how I word this, The something he asks you to do will be all of the something he wants you to do. That'll be enough in that circumstance. Now, I say that because they roll a stone away and then there lies Lazarus. Sometimes God will allow us to be part of his work And then we sort of overdo it. We become super spiritual and real religious. And uh, could you imagine starting a stone rolling ministry? Well, bless God, I moved one, I can move another. And then going to church to church to raise support. I'm going in all these, I'm going in all these graveyards. I'm going to move, help me move stones. Well, the only problem with that is you've got to have a word to move a stone. The worst thing you can do is try to encourage a man to do something for God that God ain't told him to do and he ain't got a word on it. You'll make a miserable man for life. And you might get out of there. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you might get out there. You can go move those stones if you want to, but the only thing that's going to happen, you're going to leave a lot of bodies stinking in the community. Because the truth of the matter is, once you move the stone out of the way, what you need to do is get out of the way. Don't run inside and say, well, I'm going to tell you, we've done that. Maybe we can do some more. And go in there and get to blowing on his face and grabbing his legs and pulling him out and doing artificial respiration. You ain't going to give him life. There's one that has come to give him life. And that's the part you need to understand that is not your part. You cannot give Lazarus life. Only Jesus can do that. Amen. I can come here this week and 
I can roll the stone in a sense of doing what he's told me to do to preach. You can come here and minister to our hearts and roll the stones, so to speak, in singing. You can come here and sort of roll the stone in praying and in giving and all of those. But I'm going to tell you, that's as far as you can go. I can come and tell you about him and I can preach him to you. But honey, I don't have the power to change a heart. I cannot give you light and life. That's what he's for. That's his movement is to come, thank God, and do what I cannot do. Move the stone and get out of the way. And please don't make a monument out of it. And put a little plaque on there real shiny, a bronze plaque with everybody's name on it that moved it. That doesn't make any difference. Only heaven knows who moved that stone. But I'm going to tell you, we all know who brought Lazarus out. And that's what counts. Amen. Amen. Oh, understand that if you want him to do something, he may ask you to do something first. And the thing he asks you to do will be little compared to the greatness he's going to do. But once he asks, I'm going to tell you, if you want him to do something, expect the something he tells you to do in that matter is all you need to be doing. You're not there to take over and take charge. You're just there to move the stone. Hallelujah! I'm glad the burden of the need of the hearts that are here this week does not fall upon me other than to present to you what God has put in my heart and then I can go home and I can just ask the Lord to use that word because I know he has to do the changing. He has to comfort hearts. He has to save the sinner. He has to do it all. Amen. I'm a terrible motivational preacher because I don't find it in the Bible. You can talk all you want to to Lazarus and you ain't going to talk him out of that tomb. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. Come on. And that's why I, the weakest part, I say the weakest, I think it's the strongest part of my ministry is my invitation. I never have figured out how to give one. But I figured out it ain't my business. I just give you what God give me and get out of the way. You don't need 109 stanzas of just as I am to try to convince you to do something. Lazarus, come forth. A word from God. Work expectation. Expect if you want him to do something, he may expect you to do something first. But the something that he wants you to do will be minute to the great thing that he is going to do. And expect, expect that the something he asks you to do will be all the something that he wants you to do. Now, can you see that? Can you see that? Roll the stone away. That's it. But here, I want you to catch a glimpse of this. If you want him to do something, expect that the something he asks you to do will never stop doing. You see, all God's works are eternal. They're not just something that happens today. But God uses them to continue his work. 
I mean by that, they moved a stone. They rolled a stone away. But isn't it amazing? That's been two millenniums ago. And I'm standing before you preaching about an hour where Jesus spoke to a dead man. He come out of the grave after he had told them to move the stone. And the great message of it was, I am the resurrection and the life. I am wondering how many sinners have heard somebody preach out of John chapter number 11 about the resurrection of Lazarus. But hey, there wouldn't have been a resurrection of Lazarus if somebody hadn't moved the stone. It all comes together. And I'm wondering how many of them found out in that chapter as a result of reading it or a preacher preaching it and gave their heart to Christ and the stone was moved away and in came light and in came life. That's the way it works. If God uses you to move somebody's stone and light and life comes in as a result of him, then that person will come out alive And God will use them, so to speak, to move somebody. We're all stone movers in that sense. To bring light and life of the gospel to those who are in dark places. And here it is that it just seems like down through the ages that story has never stopped being told. It's the rolling, what's that? Rolling, 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 keep that stone a roll. It's just been a rolling right on down through there. What God does in you, what God does through you keeps on working. Expect that what God, the work that, the, I mean, if you want him to work, expect that the something he asks you to do will never stop doing something. I'm glad the word I preach doesn't end right here. Thank God it goes beyond. Now, I was preaching in Alabama. Finished the service, went to the back, was shaking hands, the folks that left, and it dwindled down to just three or four people there. And one of the men standing there was an elderly gentleman, 81 years old. Of course, that don't seem as old to me now as it used to. <laughs> and I began to converse with him. Uh, just small talk. I said, you from around here? He said, yeah. I said, you've been a member of this church long? He said, well, actually, he said, I got saved in this church when I was 69 years old. I said, really? And he began to tell me the story. He said, I had retired. And he said, I got engulfed into antiques that I just searched out and bought and traded antiques. Said me and my wife was driving along this road several miles down one day, and he said, I looked up at a piece of property, a house up there, and he said, I noticed that the man had two antique 
wagon wheels, one on one side and the other on the other side of his driveway. He said, I have been searching for antique wagon wheels. And he said, I just swung up into his driveway, got out of the car. He happened to be outside. I walked up, introduced myself. He did too. And I said, sir, I noticed you got two old wagon wheels here. Do you want to sell them? And he said, well, not really. He said, I hadn't thought about it. I, I like them there. And said, he paused for a minute. And he said, but wait a minute. Do you go to church anywhere? He said, no, sir, I don't. He said, I've never been to church. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. My church is just down the road. Is the one I was in that morning. And he said, if you come to church Sunday morning, I'll give you both of those wagon wheels. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I, I just mumbled. I didn't know what to say. Basically didn't commit myself, went back and got in the car. Went to drive off and said, my wife said, well, is he going to sell them? He said, no, he wants to give them to me. She said, give them to you? He said, yeah, but he wants me to come to church on Sunday morning. He said, I can have them. <laughs> Why, well, she said, you ain't been nothing but a pagan your whole life. It won't hurt you to go to church one time. You get your two wagon wheels. <laughs> said she convinced me and I spun around, drove back up into the driveway and said, I got out of the car and said, sir, are you serious that you'll give me these wagon wheels if I go to church? He said, yes, sir. You go to church, you come back by here, you can have the wagon wheels. He said, I went to church on Sunday morning, me and my wife, with full intention of getting in there and getting out and getting my wagon wheels. He said, preacher, I come in and I sit right back here in the back. And he showed me where he sat. He said, the preacher got up and started preaching that gospel. And he said, something got into my heart. Said, I got under conviction to the place that I was hoping he'd hurry up and stop because I knew what I need to do. I need to be saved. He said, I run down to the altar on the left side, got on my knees and got born again. Said, I didn't know it, but when I got up, my wife was over on the other side and she got born again. I said, hallelujah, what an investment of two old wagon wheels to where you've got two souls that are worth more than all the world born into the family of God going to heaven for two old wagon wheels. But I'm talking about how it just keeps on rolling. He stood there, 81 years old, and he said, preacher, after I got saved, there was a fellow came by here one day And he brought some Gospels of John that needed to be put together for different languages around the world. And he said, I just wondered if somebody in this church would be interested in organizing and putting together the Gospel of John so we can send them to different places. And he said, I told him yes. And here's what he said. To this day, preacher, Saved at 69, he's 81, 12 years old, two wagon wheels, done that. He said, to this day, we have put together over a million Gospels of John and sent them around the world. Amen. Woo! 
I said, hallelujah, two old wagon wheels saved two old sinners and sent the gospel around the world and how many people we don't know that may have read one of those gospels of John and got born into the family of God until we get to heaven. But I'm going to tell you, every one of them got in because somebody was willing in an instant to give up two old wagon wheels that keeps on multiplying for the kingdom of God. You'll never know what's going to come out of you moving one stone. You'll never know what God's going to do beyond that and because of that. Do what he tells you to do and find out what keeps on a moving in that old stone. My wife, of course, you've heard her play and sing here. Plays the piano and sings. I use her in all my invitations. Somebody said, why? I said, well, I preach so many duds. I need somebody to pull it out. (laughs) And most of the time she can. (laughs) And so uh, somebody asked her to preach here a while back. I said, well, that ain't going to work. They said, why? I said, well, number one, you'll find out where I get my sermons. (laughs) And number two, I've heard her preach. I'm not coming. She, that's a, she's a rough preacher, I'll tell you that. <laughs> she's preached to me enough to know I don't want to be in that congregation. <laughs> now, y'all ain't going to tell her when she comes, are you? No. This ain't no video, is it? Cut that out. <laughs> but when she was seven, eight years old, she had a desire to learn how to play the piano, so she just sat down and pick it out. She was the youngest in her family. There's uh, a lot of age, between, 26 years between her and her older sister. And one of her sisters that was 21 years old, her Mary, worked in Johnson City. She lived in Boone, was raised in Boone. And so Mary would come home every weekend. And Mary would say to little Esther then, little Esther, every song you learn I'm going to give you 25 cents. Well, that put her to practicing. She would try her the best to have at least one song completed when Mary got back. She got 25 cents. But when you think about it, at that price, I mean, that's four songs for a dollar. 40 songs for $10. 400 songs for a hundred dollars. And here's what I'm telling you. Mary didn't realize the investment she is making with a seven-year-old girl who was going to travel all around this country and get up there and play songs that she got. 25! Mary paid 25 cents for her to be able to play the song when somebody gets up and walks out and gives their heart to Christ. I'm going to tell you, 25 cents goes a long way and it keeps on going because she's done it 10,000 times. Who knows what God's going to bring out of you pushing on a stone or your 25 cents. It'll just keep on working and keep on going. I'm talking about work. They expected him to come do something in a hurry. Miraculously. Totally. And he said, no, before I get started, here's what you got to do. Expect, expect. 
If you want him to do something, he may ask you to do something first. But what he does will be so much more than what you can do. But you've got to do it. Let me say this. Expect. If you want him to do something... And there's something that both of you agree on. You see, the thing that you had in common here at this grave on this day is that they wanted the same thing he wanted. They wanted Lazarus out of the grave. And if you and God understand now in his workings, it has to be this way. If you and God and you and Jesus get on the same page, and you want the same thing, hell or high water can't stop it. Woo! Are you hearing what I'm saying? Abraham wanted an Isaac. Sarah wanted an Isaac. But who else wanted an Isaac even more than they did? Guess. God is on the same page. Elijah prayed for rain. Who else wanted to send rain? God did. That's on the same page. They want Lazarus out of that grave and he wants to bring him out of that grave. They're on the same page. And honey, when you're willing to get on the same page and work with him, alongside of him, as he tells you what he wants you to do, expect something's going to come out of that. Because he's there to work. And if you're there to work, you can both work. And boy, I'm going to tell you, to see that stone moved out of the way and Lazarus brought out. And they're both wanting the same thing. Expect that if you and him or in commonality in what you want. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Now, I'm talking about work expectations. Expecting him to work. But all what he expects. I would say to you, in this matter of what you're wanting him to do, Expect in a full sense, if you're wanting him to do something, expect that the something he asks you to do, understand this, the something that he asks you to do is not about the something. This story is not about a stone. This story is not about Lazarus. The something, expect that the something he asks you to do is not about the something. It's about the someone who told you to do something. So that when it's all over with, it's all about him. And it's through the rolling away of that stone and the calling Lazarus out that we understand that he is the resurrection and the life. It's all about him. 
And I'm going to tell you something. When we do something for the Lord, it is not to be to our glory and our praise or for us to be seen. It is for him to be magnified. And any work that is done in which it is not a, a, a magnification of Christ is no work of Christ at all. Whatever he's doing, it is a reflection of him who is doing that and not ourselves. We don't need to be patted on the back. We don't need to be bragged on. It ain't about you. It ain't about the stone. It ain't even about Lazarus. The greatest words in these texts is not Lazarus come forth. The greatest words in these te- in this text is, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, it's more than getting Lazarus out, honey. It's you and I, once you realize, once that sinner realizes that he is the resurrection and the life, they too can have this light. They too can have this light. And let me say this in closing. The work that he will expect you to do Roll the stone away. Let me say it this way. Well, let me ask the question. How many of you sitting here tonight have life and light through Christ? Did you raise that hand? Thank God. But let me say this. If you are here tonight and you have light and you have life, somebody rolled your stone away. God used a mama to roll that stone away. God used a daddy maybe or a grandmama or a preacher or a Sunday school teacher or someone on the job or somebody in school. Somebody was used of God to push and roll that stone away so the light and life of Christ could shine in there. And aren't you thankful tonight? I believe it was last night the pastor allowed many of you to testify as to where and when you were saved. But could we not all add that to that testimony who it was that led us to Christ? That allowed us to see that light and that life. And I wonder tonight how many of you know the person or persons that introduced you to Jesus. Raise that hand. Do you know them? They're the ones that God used to roll the stone away. He's working, so he's going to let you work and me work to accomplish his purpose and will. And all you got to do is move the stone. Push the stone. Somebody said, well, how long does it take to roll a stone away? As long as it takes. Just get to pushing. Had a man stand up here last night telling me about his brother. They got saved 
at 71 years old, and he said, I've been praying for him for many, 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 many years, pushing on that stone for all of those years. But oh, how rewarding I could tell as he spoke, how rewarding it was when he got the telephone call from the brother that told him he had just gotten saved. (laughs) That stone is moved, hallelujah. Thank God for those who moved your stone. 